Welcome to episode three of This Is Not a History Lecture. Ooh, I can't believe it's episode... I really can't. Like, I think I have imposter syndrome, and I, like... But for podcasts, which is whack. I don't even think that's a thing. Like, my my family... I know your family knows. My family still doesn't know, because I'm like... I, I think... I expected my imposter syndrome to end with grad school, but, like, I still can't believe I'm in grad school, so... Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think... Okay, so, like, grad school is one thing, because, like, you know, you get accepted. But podcasting is a whole other thing, because there are numbers that are telling you how good you are right here on your computer. (laughs) But someone did give us a five-star review. On Apple Podcasts. Shout out to that person, whoever you are. Thank you. You made our entire, like year yeah that was really cool and as you know really helps us a lot thank you yeah um yeah and we have um some international listeners now which is a bit of fun i it's so weird to me but i'm like okay yeah my voice has been heard by people across the pond um yeah so we have someone listening in uk well i don't know if if it's you we don't know if you're a real listener. You may just stumbled upon us, but yeah, um, we appreciate the click. Yeah, <laughs> and even we have if you someone... got through like thirty seconds and you're like, "Oh, what the hell!" Like <laughs> yeah. we we appreciate that yeah. momentary. What the hell? Uh-huh. Um, we also have someone apparently from Brazil, which is also a bit of fun. Yeah, and I feel like that they were our first international person. Oh, and, okay. You, yeah. you pay attention to the stats better than I do. Yeah. I, I'm not as good as about it. No, they were our first international person, <gasps> and thank you. Um, it's so funny to me because I feel like every time, like, people inter- mention, like, international thing, it's always, like, the person from Brazil. I don't know. I guess it's, like, a running joke, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so thank you, if that's you. Thank you so much. Um, we are continuing to develop uh, our recording situation. Yeah, we're on the um, floor, like, really up close and personal against each other right now. Yeah, our knees are basically touching. But we are in the same room. Um the ice has melted. Um, winter storm Yuri is that apparently what they're calling it's it? named Brendan yeah. Yuri strikes know. again. I was like, yeah, that's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were um, in the thick of it here in our little town. Yep. Cat um, had no power for how many days and no water for how many days. We lost it Sunday night, and we didn't get it back till probably about Thursday. And <sighs> let me just say, there is nothing that will prepare you to sleep alone in an apartment with no heat in negative three degrees <sighs> i there was n- nothing that could have prov- i did not expect it to be that bad i, I told like, cat several times if you don't have power you're sleeping at my house several times and she said no we have power and i was like okay cool they'll have power for the rest of the night no we, we got it back for like a solid two hours and we were like, okay, this is perfect. We got it back. Even if we're on the rolling blackouts, we'll be okay. And then right before, like it was, it was getting dark and there was so much ice on the roads and then it went out again and we were kept hoping it would come back and it didn't. And by that time it was dark and I didn't want to cross the, that huge street we have. Yeah. Well, I have dark. headlights on my car. There and yes, it was so much ice. to drive, but you live literally two minutes away. Yes. But I was literally hearing cars getting wrecks outside of my apartment and I was just like, I'm not... I can do this. And after that, that, that next night is when we were like, okay, there's three of us without power. We're all going to go crash in Kaylee's living yeah, room. Yeah, so, so they all slept in. Cat <laughs> and two of our friends slept in uh, my living room. And yeah. we were going to bully them into staying another night, but then they got power. Um, yeah. But they saved us, basically. <sighs> Kaylee saved us from starvation and freezing temperatures and, oh, God, running water. We had running water at their running house. Running water. 
Oh man, this has been this has been crazy, and it's so crazy. Like there's still a little ice. Like I have a little ice in my backyard, but it's almost like nothing happened. It went out to like 50 degrees mm-hmm. the next like app. Just randomly one day, yeah. everything melted. I think by Wednesday, the highest in the 70s. Like yeah. <laughs> Texas for you, man. But honestly, uh, I hate my apartment complex. My unit is the only, like, this strip of units is the only one out of hot, like, that doesn't have any warm water still. Of course, yeah. And it's, they're like, we had a pipe burst. We're getting someone out here to fix it. And they wouldn't tell us when. And it's like, that's shady. So I called the yeah. front office, and they're like, oh. And I insisted. I was like, what day are they coming to fix it? And they're like, oh, not till Monday. Of course. So, and I was like, oh, y'all were just avoiding telling us. So I took a weird, yeah. I, I boiled like five pots of water, set them on the edge of my shower, and gave myself a very weird shower. Because <laughs> they were like, yeah, report to work Monday. And I was like, you know there are still people that haven't showered in I seven saw, days. Oh, my God. I saw a tweet that was like, I'm not going to be thinking about work or school until my basic needs are met according to Maslow's hierarchy. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's really fair. Some of our professors treated it like a snow day. And I was like, I don't think you understand some people are just yeah they're chilling it's a snow day some of us are fighting for our lives i know like sleeping in a depart in a depart in in, an apartment that was probably what like 30 degrees like Like, honestly less by the end of the anyway yeah anyway so that we almost weren't sure if we would get this podcast done this week but it's like warm now yeah i know and um i mean in other news ted cruz just revealed how much of a D-bag, he really is. It's so astonishing to me that, like, every time... Not to be topical or political, but I mean... There, no, there's no excuse for leaving your no state that you and are And I think that's of. a bipartisan thing. Like, there's absolutely no oh, excuse. Oh, no. My, yeah. my super conservative, some of my family members even, have been like, that's ridiculous. And I was like, yeah. yes, when you, know that, when you know that all the conservatives are even saying something, you messed up. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised at this point, but, like... Every time he does something like this, I'm like, there's no way he can make a bigger ass out of himself. And then he does. And then he does. And we still keep electing him. And for what? But his body count as a senator is higher than it was as the Zodiac Killer now. <laughs> oh, no. We shouldn't <laughs> joke about that. We're sorry. We're, yeah, sorry. No, no. That I shouldn't. Sorry. We're dealing it's with okay. this with morbid humor. Yes. We're trying to laugh our way out of the pain because our politicians don't care about their own... Citizens, constituents. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, so welcome back. Other than that, Kat, how are you this morning? Good. I've been working on a corset, and I think my neighbors are going to kill me. I was setting grommets. (laughs) Yeah, I I walked in her apartment. She's, like, banging on something. (laughs) Are you hammering something back there? It's like, yeah, I am, actually. (laughs) Literally. But I don't feel bad, because they do the same thing at 3 a.m., and it's at least noon here, so. Oh, uh, no comment. (laughs) Yep. Anyway, how are you this morning? Um, I don't know. I've had a weird morning. I woke up. I've had a cough since, you know, the last time we recorded. It's worse now. Um, woke up. My throat felt really bad. And I tried to make some tea. The first tea I made tasted like medicine. Ew. It was orange flavored. I don't Ew, know why. why. I was like wanting something fresh because I was feeling like really heavy. And then I was like, oh, like that could be fun, like citrusy. And then it wasn't. And then um, I literally was like, I can't drink this. It tastes like medicine. And But it smelled really good. And I just couldn't do it. And then I tried. I was like, okay, maybe, like, I don't want something really heavy. So maybe, like, but I guess I'll give in to it. I'll do, like, a black tea. I, like, made more water, boiled more water, like, like, did the tea, everything, steeped it. And I was like, oh, some half and half. And then I poured freaking half and half. In my tea, and then I realized it smelled 
Like, it was bad. And I checked the date, and it had expired just yesterday, but it was already starting to smell. So I was Ugh. like, uh, and I was like, no tea for me. I'm going to give up. Like, yeah, <laughs> sometimes it so, happens. I'm sorry if my voice sounds just gross. Um, yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, so like we said, we're continuing to develop our recording setup. Sorry if we sound echoey again. Uh, we're using a one-person mic for two people. Yeah. We're trying to make it work. <laughs> we're experimenting. Yeah, we definitely are, but we appreciate you. If you watched, or not watched, but listened to our first two episodes and you're still with us, we love you. You're the best. We do. We yeah. love you. We really appreciate it. Um, you can have my firstborn. Just kidding. I'm not having my I was going to say, we've already talked children. about how we're not, <laughs> well, how you don't want to have children. If I say that I don't want to have children... Officially on this podcast, and my parents hear it, it will be a conversation. So I'm not saying one way or the other, Mom. Okay? My parents have been very aware that I've always wanted to either adopt or foster, so I don't have to worry about my that. My parents recently, like I, when I was home for Christmas, they were like, oh, you know, both of them separately, like not even in the same room. They were both like, oh, we think you'd be a good mother. You'd be good at it. And I look, I look, I was, what are you talking about? I've You're never even been in a relationship. Like, why are you telling me this? Like, you are the oldest, though, so I think that comes with an unfair set of expectations. Uh, and you're a girl. True. You're the oldest in And your I girl. know my parents have been talking about for years, especially my dad has been like, I want grandchildren. I'm going to spoil them, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm 22. My dad. You're going to wait. My dad <laughs> loves babies, but I think they know better than to ask any of us because we like to joke that Abby, my little sister, has had more boyfriends than me and my older sister combined. <laughs> but it's just because none of us date and Abby's had like probably two boyfriends. I've had zero. And I think my older sister's had like one or two. So... I'm, yeah, listen, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people our age are kind of in that boat. Especially for, this generation. The, like, our, like, not with... even our generation, like, our specific, like, year. Oh, like, yeah. I don't I have a lot of people I know that, like, yeah. have never dated. And something must have happened. Was it 9-11? <laughs> Every, I, hear, like, I knew George Bush would be involved somehow. <laughs> My chemical romance and Twilight. Just another and thing to stuff. blame on old baby Bush. <laughs> I feel, I just feel like everything that happens in our generation, someone's like, it links back to 9-11. Oh, absolutely. Twilight is because of 9-11. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. We can have a whole episode on that. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, so with that, I mean, I don't have anything else to say, really. Nah, I probably could have said none of things. that. But yeah, <laughs> we probably could have just, you know, actually just recorded what we're here to do, but... who? That's so boring. It's boring. You guys care about our lives, right? <laughs> if we're going to have a platform, we're going to talk about our lives. I don't care lives. about my life at this point. Why would they... <laughs> well, at least someone does, right? <laughs> True. One of the seven listeners. If it's not you, then hopefully it's maybe like two people. One, one of them from Brazil, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, all right. Well... Kat, I think we've established that you're going first. Oh, we're going to keep this pattern going? Yeah. Okay. Consistency. I was going to say that since I went first last two times, but that's okay. I will, I will do it. <clears throat> so this week I'm talking about Ida B. Wells. Um, it would have been fitting if we'd saved Titanic for this week. You know, dying uh, <laughs> But Maybe it's better that we did it before. <laughs> yeah, curse A little ourselves. too topical. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Ida B. Wells. Yeah. I do know about her. She okay. is a very significant figure in history. And the first time I ever heard, like, saw a depiction or anything more than just hearing her name was actually when we had to watch um, Iron Jawed Angels. 
in oh, that yeah. in our po- women post Civil War class a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's actually. I mean, you know, it's kind of cheesy. It is. The music editing is a little in, eh. and the and the actual visual editing is a little. It's a little PowerPointy. Um, <laughs> um, Still not as bad as the prequels for Star Wars, but like. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen those, so I cannot speak Kaylee. to that. But anyway. listen, we know I'm not a Star Wars fan. But I, anyway, yeah, it's a decent movie. So <laughs> I did use sliced bread though in one of the scenes with Patrick. Not Dempsey. accurate. It was not accurate. They did not have the patent for bread slicers like that yet. Anyway, um, yeah. Don't. Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, um, and I want to give a shout out to the National Women's History Museum. They had a really good like article just on like a recap of her whole life and I used that as a big base and then went around and collected other data from other places so shout out to them for a great article um if you want to go look at their information as well so this woman did everything her full name was Ida Bell Wells and if I don't say Ida B Wells that won't roll off my tongue so I'm gonna say Ida B Um, she was a teacher, a suffragette, an activist, a journalist, and muckraker, and she was so much more. She was born in 1862 in, uh, Holly Springs, Mississippi on July 16th during the Civil War. So she's born into slavery six months before the Emancipation Proclamation. What year was she born again? Uh, 1862. 1862. Wow. Yeah. And also, I just want to say, of course she did everything, because black women to this day do everything. They really are the backbone of this nation, and I don't think enough people realize that. A girl preach. Who was the the woman from Georgia? Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Ugh, what a queen. Stacey Abrams needs to come to Texas. (laughs) Stacey Abrams, please help us. Honestly, though, Texas and gerrymandering is a huge, like, it's yeah. honestly gerrymandering in Texas. Oh, yeah, more than any realistic. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. Texas is blue. Like, what did we, like, 49% It was, blue like, in the last uh, maybe election? by, I mean, at the end, I think it was, like, a couple million, the difference. But, oh, okay. like, well, that was the presidential, not even the... I know the, like congressional the Beto-Ted runoff mm-hmm. was so, so close. close. I think that was, like... Just tens of thousands of votes, which is wild. Yeah. So, like, people talk about, like, the Ultra South, and you'd be surprised. The demographics in Texas are not what you would expect. Oh, it's, well, yeah. It's it's a lot of gerrymandering. I think a lot of people, like, forget. I mean, uh, that's a conversation for another day. Yep, Let's another continue. Day. Anyway, so, yes. Um, born into slavery, and after the war, her parents, um, she had two. Her father. Really? <laughs> yeah, I know. What? <laughs> her father was enslaved from birth. Um, since his own mother was, I, I don't like saying this word because I realized I said it last week without a trigger warning. Um, she was sexually assaulted and that mm. is the nicest way to say the R word. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and unfortunately we will be talking about things of that nature. Yeah. And I'm going to try to approach that delicately. And I, yeah. sorry, last week I said it without letting yeah. people know I was going to. Yeah. Um, oh, and I was going to mention, I mean, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, and I think this is something that we want to like kind of enact in this is a lot of people saying instead of like referring to people who were enslaved as slaves Mm -hmm. instead of just saying like oh they were slaves say they They were were enslaved enslaved, or people who were in slavery okay because it it, because it's that like when you're saying identity versus what you were forced to be okay yeah yeah, exactly yeah and there's a lot of like historians who are saying like no this is a correct way to refer to them because it intentionally makes you think about how they weren't just oh, they were just a slave. It was people who were forced into something that they weren't. Just like people experiencing okay. homelessness instead okay. of homeless people. Okay, yeah, so, definitely. Um, if I, not, nothing bad. No, nothing no, no, bad no. with you. If I, just, you I, if I do it again, just give me a little... 
finger gun, and I will. <laughs> we'll call it's it. a work in progress. <laughs> like we said in our We're first episode. We're trying to be the best we can be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so her father was enslaved and was the product of uh, rape. A sexual assault. A yeah. sexual assault. Um, and so he was brought up um, in that life by that so he stayed with the same owner he was held captive by the same owner from birth Mm -hmm. and her mother was as well so that's how they met and got married and that's why Ida B. Wells was also born into that um situation um but her parents especially after emancipation were very politically active in politics they stayed working for the same man after they were free but let's be real like we talked about in the previous episode, slavery never went away. It just turned into tenant farming. Um, So yeah, they financially could not go anywhere or do anything when they were just forced to work for the same man that had enslaved them for years. Mm -hmm. Um, But she enrolled at Rust College where her father was a trustee. And it's, I believe it was a HBCU. Um, I, I think it is. But she was... Ex- that would make sense. Yeah. I think she was Considering expelled, the time. though. Yeah. Oh, no. I think expelled? she was expelled af- over a dispute with the president. And I, I Ooh, dug around... Bold. <laughs> I know. And I couldn't quite find out why, but this one was Well, awesome. if so, it was the president of a university, she was probably in the right. Let's be honest. Let's, mm, we've seen it. Um, after that, she went to visit her grandmother in 1878, about 12 years later. And while she was there, she was told that the yellow fever had hit her hometown it killed both of her parents and the youngest oh, no. of her siblings, an infant brother. Oh, no. So she raised the rest of her siblings at 26 years old. How many? Do we know? I think there were four. Wow. I'm not sure. Um, <sighs> in order to be to do that, she became a teacher. She, I think she, no, she wasn't 26. Hold on. My notes are messed up. She was really, really young. Mm-hmm. I think, no, no, that's not 26. She was 16 years old. Oh, we are historians, not mathematicians. Yep, I can't do math. Uh, yeah, 10 years is a big difference. That's on me, guys. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I think I think y'all know. I think y'all know where we're at. If you've ever <laughs> seen me try to pass a math class, you would understand. Listen, uh, we just know dates. We can't even add and subtract years, all right? <laughs> Too <laughs> <Honestly. many numbers. laughs> Um. So, yeah, she lied about being 18 so she could become a teacher. Oh. Her brothers got apprenticeships, so she and her two younger sisters eventually went to Memphis, Tennessee to live with a relative, and she was able to take classes at Fisk University in Nashville during summers. Nice. Good for her. Mm-hmm. A few years later, Ida B. Wells buys a train ticket, and even though she had everything she needed to be seated in first class, she got thrown off the train. Uh, this was 70 years before Rosa Parks or Claudette Colvin got on their buses and started the oh. bus boycotts. Yeah. So she's <sighs> she's the OG. Like, like literally. She, like, she really is. For more reasons than one, but, like, that's crazy. That's a very fun fact. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And if y'all don't know who Claudette Colvin is, um, she was a 16-year-old girl who refused to get off the bus before Rosa Parks did. But mm-hmm. she was pregnant at the time. And yeah. a lot of people didn't like her being the face of a movement because she was an unwed, pregnant teenager. Um, yeah. But so they went with someone who did the same thing, but it was a little less mm-hmm. controversial. Yeah. And not to smash Rosa Parks, like Queen. Yeah, no. But yeah, Claudette Colvin, I always throw her in there when I talk about Rosa Parks because she, yeah. she was also an OG. No, I think that's important to mention. Um so in 1884, she sues the train car company over it. Nice. And she wins the local dispute but loses it at the federal level. Of course she does. Uh-huh. <laughs> she writes in local journals about systemic issues in the education system wow. against people of color. 
Um, and of course, when she talks about this, her teaching contract from the district does not get renewed. Oh, crazy how stuff like that happens, huh? Uh-huh. Right wow, it's definitely, just a, it's definitely just a coincidence. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, and not long after that, the father of her goddaughter gets lynched. And uh-huh. she starts doing some... Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And I forgot about was, how history is. Uh, <laughs> it would be so great to forget. Uh-huh. Um, but apparently, the story from what I can dig up was that he, he was a store owner. And these white people broke in or something, and in self-defense, they shot them. And they got lynched for it. Um, But this inspires her to start doing investigative journalism stuff, writing in smaller newspapers about white mobs and the real motivations behind these lynchings, that, like, they were justified. That most of the time, these people have done nothing wrong. Yeah. Oh, my God. Good for her. I mean, that I can't even imagine. She must have been terrified just to do, like, research on that kind of stuff. Oh, very. And you'll see why soon. Oh, no. I don't want to see why. (laughs) Well, she also writes about the that horrible, fake, stereotypical myth of black men sexually assaulting white women. That was a blame for a lot of lynchings. And let's be clear, it's not just African-American or anything. Like, like, there were... I look. I found a statistic somewhere, and there were so many. I didn't realize it. Native people, yeah. uh, indigenous people, Hispanic. Like it was really just a catch-all phrase for we mm-hmm. don't want you around, and we're going to kill you for it. Yeah, and I think what the stats are something like eighty or ninety percent of lynchings were like done on this account of like. Oh yeah, yeah, it, like something it's ridiculous, insane. or like no, it's probably not that high. Maybe, but I think definitely over half. I think the eighty or ninety percent one yeah. is that like. They are definitely in the high well, 90s. And then you, you hear about, like, Emmett Till. Yeah. Who well, it's just, was a kid. Yeah. He was a child. And, and that it, lady is still alive. I, Excuse me. I, that bitch. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> kid murdered. Like, I, uh, yeah. So, uh, lynchings are whole, deserve its whole own yeah. discussion. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. That would be, I mean, it would be a rough episode. But I feel like it's an important yeah. discussion to have. We would need to do a lot of in-depth. Yeah, because like you just said, like that. I feel like a lot of people think, oh, it, oh it's only happened to black people. No, but that's it's, not the case. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it did predominantly happen to them uh, on that myth yeah. of being like sexually assaulting white mm-hmm. women, but it definitely included other people. And she, she goes digging for these statistics. She goes digging around where people don't want her. And she writes an article in 1892 saying radically that these white women could have had consensual relationships with these men. And, you know, it's not unfathomable. Yeah. And let's be real, a yeah. lot of women did and then yeah. got scared and were and, like, or oh, got caught. Got caught and just mm-hmm. blamed it on people. And, yeah. and that led to more lynchings. Mm-hmm. And it made locals so mad that they burned down her newspaper office and her oh working space, run her out of Memphis. Oh, no. And it got so bad that she was eventually run out of the South entirely and had to go to <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. Oh, my God. She starts carrying a gun at this point. Like, she. <laughs> like, Wait, 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 she can start scaring like a musket. Like, <laughs> what kind of guns do they have in 1892? Uh, uh, I, don't I don't think they have the really like small pocket guns. I mean, they had revolvers and stuff. It just had a gun. Oh, she had a revolver. Oh my God, what a badass. She could like be walking around with like the whole like belt and like There's holster. God, I've never seen a movie about this woman, but now I really want to. So I'm going to have to like find some. Just another amazing historical figure that people ignore. I know. And she couldn't, she never came back to the South except for once secretly. Um, but, like, props to you for pissing off the racist lady. Like, mm, Yeah, be what, proud of yourself. What a noble, yeah. <laughs> noble venture. Um, 
1893, she joins other leaders like Frederick Douglass in boycotting the World's Columbian Expedition because they were, like, demonizing the African-American community and literally segregating the event and, oh. like, not letting them in and throwing them out. And it's, Yeah. Um, and this is, I mean, Jim Crow had been enacted at this point, but I don't think it yes. really got bad or, like, as we think of Jim Crow until, like, the 1910s. Yeah, that's kind of, it's weird. My yeah. brain doesn't, my, my brain knows that all this stuff was in place. Yeah. It's just, like, I don't know why yeah. my brain doesn't picture it as heavily during this time period. I, I think, I mean, it's, it was still definitely segregated, but I think a lot of the imagery we think of and like comes uh, with early photography in the yeah. 20s and 30s and maybe and that's the case that would be a good episode too just jim crow laws because i be. think that's I, also can, mad props go read um the new jim crow is it jessica alexander that wrote that oh i don't know i but think yeah, it is but no, that book's good that's a solid a good book. book um but yeah she keeps going 1895 she marries an attorney named ferdinand barnett um she's sometimes known as ida b wells barnett who owned one of Chicago's black-owned papers, The Conservator, who also helped her and Frederick Douglass and others with the boycott. He had two kids from a previous marriage, and along with those two kids, they had four more children. So she raised her own siblings, and then six more children. Oh my god. Women back in the day, man. They do so... They <sighs> did it really, all. They did it all. Women still do it all. Like <laughs> Yeah, we still do it all. Like, we I, a little I, well, bit maybe of not. Maybe not me. <laughs> uh, I can't keep there are There are women alive. doing more than me. <laughs> yeah. She traveled all over the place, um, other countries, even to expose American lynchings, where she was very well, well received in England. She was met with members of the British Parliament, and she's still remembered there to this day. She has, like, monuments to her there. Oh, she called yeah. out white suffragettes, too, who ignored <gasps> issues with racism and lynchings. Why? Well, just, like, maybe, I don't know, white feminists? Mm. Yay! A lot of mainstream people pushed her away, and this is when we're going to have a quick break to talk about... The absolute hypocrisy in the white suffrage movement of the time. Um, because Ooh, you really, of the time? Of always. Ooh, okay. Topical yeah. cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially during this time, though, like, you can't have a discussion about this period of women's suffrage without talking about how racist it was. Yeah. Because when they finally won, it was decided that they couldn't be denied the vote on the basis of sex. And it didn't stop them from denying the vote on the basis of race. Mm-hmm. Um, early women's rights groups had, had like roots in these anti-slavery movements. Like some of the early ones that we learned about from our old professor, um, were founded with abolitionists, like yeah. with people of yeah. color. Um, and, um, Frederick Douglass was like a big, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get to that. Yeah. I, I mentioned them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the earliest ones were formed with like Frederick Douglass, Ida B. Wells, some of these really influential people. Mm-hmm. Um, but early abolitionists, um, were deemed too radical by some of these white suffragettes. Mm. Um, because well, I think th- it was the question of what should we focus on now? What's the most important thing? Well, yeah, like if, yeah. like the people that we really idolize, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, they started groups like the AERA with abolitionists mm-hmm. like Frederick Douglass. But those disagreements over like where the focus should be yeah. were like they it tore was, them apart. But yeah. it's also because I think of a lack of intersectionality and a dichotomy people yeah well it was it was from my understanding it was a choice of do we focus on getting the abolition and the vote at the same time 
Um, so making basically everyone a citizen and everyone giving everyone the ability mm-hmm. to vote. Or do we focus on to certain people, the more achievable, quote, achievable goal, goal of just getting votes for women? And, and that's where the main fracture. And we should also acknowledge that there was a betrayal here because oh, yeah. white people realize, like white women realized we can get Southern support for a yeah. woman's vote if we don't associate yeah. with abolitionists. Oh, yeah. And so they turned their back on them. They did. And they realized, oh, this is going to happen a lot faster if, if we, we don't, don't include everyone. Yeah, which if is we just focus on ourselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, in Stanton and Douglas were like Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Frederick Douglas were both at the Seneca Falls Convention, where yeah. Douglas stood up and defended women's suffrage to everyone. Mm-hmm. But then Stanton wouldn't even support his right to vote. Yep. Um, because why, Kat? Because they were racist. racist. <laughs> And it was, Douglas supported, Douglas supported women's rights for the rest of his life, despite this. Um, what a great guy. I know. And a lot of really famous people treated it like the rights of others would mean that they couldn't have their own rights. It's that whole Voltaire thing, like, oh. the world, they use it in Hamilton, the whole, the <laughs> world wasn't, was wide enough. Yeah. And he talks about that, because Voltaire and a lot of other writers, you know, mm-hmm. talk about that, that your success does not, or someone else's success does not preclude you from your own. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think people just uh, saw it as a really competitive, like, yeah. if, you, if you can't have it, we can't have it. Yeah. Uh. And some of the early suffragettes were furious that black men would be able to vote under the 15th Amendment before women got the 19th. And so they were, like, competing against them. And I'm like, oh, this yeah. is not the time to be Because they thought they were better than the black men who could vote. I mean, because they were, they were white. Mm-hmm. And that's why they were so upset about it. And, uh, and there uh, were so many other legal obstacles, like grandfather clauses, poll taxes, voter intimidation, and literacy tests, that even after these like, amendments were passed to allow voting, um, it, it wasn't possible. Like, yeah. like there were so many yeah. unrealistic requirements for people, especially people of color. It, it was a mess, um, and it was an incredibly political game, and black women got abandoned by the mainstream white suffragette movement. Um, and so a lot of these women, like Ida B. Wells, like, knew they're at it alone. They knew mm-hmm. they were facing an uphill battle, and most of them, like... You would, wow, I don't remember the exact year. Dang. Um, It's not until, I think it's the 1960s that all women, like all people in the U.S. who are citizens, is it 64, have the right to vote. Like, we're talking also, like, Asian and, like, Hispanic. Like, it's it's ridiculous how long it took to Mm -hmm. actually get these in place. And it doesn't feel, you think it's so long ago, like, women could vote and no one else could. Like, But yeah, that's the (laughs) disclaimer. Um, So Ida B. Wells is like actively living through this betrayal of of being abandoned by the mainstream suffrage movement. And the 1913 March on Washington, and I think this is in Iron... This was like portrayed a little bit in Iron Jawed Angels. Probably. Um, When she and her group arrive to the march, they're told that they can march at the back of the parade or not at all. (laughs) And initially she and some other ladies were like, no fine, no, we're not going to. We're not going to participate if we're not considered full citizens to you. Valid. Halfway through, she runs out of the crowd and jumps into the front. Hell yeah. The Illinois, delega- Illinois. Illinois delegation. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. And um, that's where she belongs. I know. This woman was doing more than anyone. Like, ugh. And she's one of the founders of the National Association of Colored Women's Club, which focused on civil rights and women's suffrage. She was there when the NAACP was founded, but 
they pushed her away for thinking that it was too radical. She was too radical. <laughs> um, and she eventually passed away on March 25th, 1931 from kidney disease. And it's crazy to me to think that this woman was born into slavery because, again, turn of the centuries bring, like, our brains divide things a lot yeah. by centuries. Uh-huh. But there are, like, pictures of this woman. Yeah. Like, pictures, pictures of this woman. Mm-hmm. Like, good definition. It's so crazy if you look her up because you see, like, early portraits of her from, you know, post-Civil War kind of stuff. But then you see pictures of her and you're just like, this woman lived through the Civil War, kind of. She was born into it. Lived through World War One, almost to World War Two. Like, she did yeah. it all. And she survived insurmountable odds. I know. It's so crazy when you think about Because, like, people who were born, I don't know, like, let's say, like, starting with her date. So, like, 1860s. Anyone who was born from, like, the 1860s, basically up until, like... The 1960s, anyone who was born in that, like, decade or century... You've seen multiple wars. You see, have seen so much of history. And not just wars. You've seen yeah. technology. Oh, you've God. seen rights. You've seen fashion. You've seen, like, that's such an... Mm-hmm. Would be such an insane time to live. People had poodle skirts, and meanwhile, the low-rise gene is coming back. Into- yeah, I mean, theoretically, someone who, like saw, like, full corseted Victorian wear yeah. could have lived to see, like, the, like, women wearing, like, shorts in the 1950s. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah, but. it is. Yeah. She was complete badass. Um, and I had two quotes from her that I found and I just loved. Um, she said, one had better die fighting against injustice than die like a dog or a rat in a trap. Hell yeah. And she also said, the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon them. <sighs> and with that... I give you Ida B. Wells. There's Ida so B. much Wells. more of her life that I could go over, but this woman, yeah, <sighs> incredible. So there's there's your recap of her life. Go dig. Go look at her yeah. actual like writings and stuff. This woman was incredible. That's so cool. She seems like a great lady. I aspire to be half Ugh. as cool. I don't think. I mean, I mean, it's hard. It, you know, you look back to historical figures and you're like, that woman was crazy insane. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I could never be something like that. But maybe one day, like, someone could look back at your life and be like, that woman was crazy insane. Yeah. Use your inspiration to go be radically awesome and fight for human rights. And that's the whole message of the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was really good, Kat. Yeah. What are you up to? What, who are you what? bringing to the table? Who am I doing today? Another black woman. Whoop. Um, so today, speaking of, I mean, she was, this lady was, um, not as, um, politically involved, but she was very, very influential in her own way. And she also was a, apparently a, like a very, um, fun and dynamic woman and really, uh, had a big personality. Um, just like it seems like Ida did. So pay a little homage to her accidentally as a child i said homage like it took me so long to realize i'm still not convinced that either way is right i'm just gonna say whatever i honestly if i say that word again i'll probably say it the other way (laughs) same but like audiobooks that's the first time i ever heard it said homage and i was like maybe it's because this person has an accent so i still don't really know either for sure yeah i'm not convinced (laughs) (laughs) um okay so today i'm going to be talking about sister rosetta tharp um, and Ooh. this lady is credited as one of the very early people in the rock and roll genre of music, which, um, had, did not exist when she was, um, first starting to get into the genre. So like before all the other white guys, I mean, we always, we also knew that, but also before like <laughs> the black people who started the black men who started this movement, like she was like in it, like 
one of the first. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's finally getting the recognition that she deserves for it. And I really appreciate that. And she also seems like a very interesting person. So, um, yes. So Sister Rosetta Tharp um, was born in 1915 in Woodruff County, Arkansas. And she lived until um, 1973. So, again, Whoa. another person who was like, Imagine living from 1915 to 1973. Jeez. Like you really lived through all of it. Like all of it. <laughs> um, at, like every little thing. Um, and yeah, so she was born into a very religious family. Um, her mother um, was definitely a big influence on her early life, m- music-wise. Um, her mother was an evangelist um, and was a singer and Madeline player for their church. Um, So, obviously, music was there kind of from the beginning, especially, like, gospel music. Um, So, Rosetta apparently very quickly took after her mother and was basically, like, a prodigy and was performing, not just singing, but playing guitar in the church by the age of four. Um, Yeah. Um, So, I don't know what I was doing it for. Definitely not singing and playing guitar. I was probably still trying to walk. Um, Yeah. by six, she was a very proficient guitar player, um, and even though she had a really great voice, everyone was like, oh, she could sing on pitch really well. Her guitar pay- uh, skills um, really made her voice like pale in comparison. Um, from the beginning, she was amazing at guitar, which I can't even imagine. Like, I, can you picture a six-year-old playing guitar? And it's like those kids that sit down like, and like, <laughs> knock out Beethoven and Mozart or like, like what is happening? <laughs> um, and so apparently at six, she was very influenced by obviously the gospel music um, at her church. Um, but she also was uh, interested in the piano player, piano player, Arizona drains. Um, and, Later on, she would get into blues and jazz. Um, so her church uh, apparently just put her up on the docket every Sunday <laughs> and qu- called her the, quote, singing and guitar playing miracle. Um, and so she was a big attraction for the church, which is fun. I feel like if a fun. church calls you a miracle, you're like, you're yeah, out there. I feel like, I mean, that might just be the words the church's word for, like, prodigy. But, like, but, I like, feel like The church says miracle. You, you own yeah, that. right? Um, so, yes. So, they lived... That was while they lived in Arkansas. Um, in the 1920s, her and her mother joined this traveling, quote, evangelist troupe, um, which toured the, ca- toured the south to spread the gospel. Um, just to do something in the 20s, I guess. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. What else you guys do? Um, eventually in the late twenties, they would settle to settle in Chicago, Chicago okay. again. Um, and honestly, I was thinking about it. Could you imagine being like, uh, she was like an early teenager at this point in late twenties, Chicago. Like, this wouldn't probably, that be, I'm uh, having a lot of fun. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to be there in thirties, Chicago, but late twenties. <laughs> um, and they were attracted to Chicago. I mean, they were a very religious family, so I'm not really sure what she would be getting into. Although, she, we'll say some things. I'll say some things later on. It says she might have been a little um, more fun, more fun than you know your stereotypical evangelist troop member. <laughs> not that I know a lot of evangelist <laughs> yeah, troop not members. That I know, but yeah, if we're speaking in stereotypes here, yeah. <laughs> um, so they were attracted to Chicago by the growing holiness movement, which was apparently an offshoot of the Pentecostal Church. 
um, that was growing in popularity in Chicago. Um, while they were in Chicago, her, um, her mother worked with her and her mother worked with promoters, um, to get her, um, places to play and stuff in Chicago. And now she moves on from just church performances to like actual performances. She's still doing religious music, but it's still like, it's real performances, not just like, oh, she's going from like church service and stuff. Um, and then following the advice of those same Chicago promoters, um, Rosetta moved to New York in the mid thirties. Um, while she was at New York, while she was in New York, she met minister Thomas A. Tharp and married him in 1934, um, and would divorce him in 1943, but she kept his last name as her stage name. She would also, she would have three husbands, um, throughout her life. We'll talk about the last one in a little bit. I do feel like Rosetta Tharp has a ring to it. Yeah. That's a cool name, right? Also, like, for y'all that don't know, there are a lot of people that keep or stop using names, especially in, like, writing and academia and stage names and stuff, because once you create an identity under a name, you don't. Yeah, I know. Everyone knew her as Rosa Tharp, so, like, she was like, well, shoot, I, I can't, can't change this. this. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's it surprised me when I heard people talking about academia and how, like, Yeah, you have your, to, like, pick your name. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. And I was like, this is not something I thought that I know. professors would have to deal with. I know, like, right? Like, oh, my God. What? Stressing over it and stuff, so. Um, yeah, so while she was in New York um, in 1938, she was signed to a rec- her first record label, which was Decca Records. Um, this is a record label she would stick with for most of her career. Um, and what I was surprised by is, um, I did a little research on the research on the record label and it wasn't an exclusively like black record label, which I think is the case for a lot of like influential black artists at the time. I mean, you Um, have a better platform. Yeah. Like the platform and other black people were willing to give them platforms. So they just go from there. But in this case, no. And actually, this is the same record label that Dolly Parton would eventually sign to. And I, I think it's her current record label. Okay, I was going to say, De- it's yeah. Deco? Deca. Deca. Yeah, D-E-C-C-A. Maybe I don't recognize it. I feel like I looked it up, and I feel like I recognize a logo. Okay, maybe that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, Dolly Parton, great gal. This Rosetta Tharp, great gal. <laughs> you mean Dolly Parton, the savior of all COVID? <sighs> Dolly Parton, the savior of all everything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so she had really big popularity really fast. Um, and she still stuck with, um, more religious music. She had a big audience, um, of her like more religious crowd. And those, those were really her main supporters throughout most of her career was like the religious, um, thing too. And we'll kind of talk about like later, like the religious part of her music and how it kind of. Uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> um, so, but she also had some more secular and up-tempo sounds or songs, um, which apparently appealed more to a white audience um, than a traditional like gospel. Her traditional more sound, really more traditional sounding gospel music. Gospel music. It's not just. I think it's not just popular down in the south because it's gospel. Yeah, but that sound is very southern, and I yeah. mean it all has its roots in yeah. being formed as part of gospel. But even like secular lyrics paired with that sound oh, gets yeah. a lot more attention in the South. And it, I mean, mm-hmm. um, what is it? Prairie Home Companion, that movie. Oh. With, yeah. I haven't seen, what? Are you serious? <laughs> no. Oh. I've never even heard of that. What? Oh, no. My dad <laughs> loves that movie and I, he loves the music in it and not necessarily because like the lyrics are great or anything, but the sound of the music yeah. is just, it's what he was used to growing up in the yeah. South. So it's like really interesting to hear Listen, about like. 
people in the North bringing Southern Sound to yeah. spotlight and kind of spreading its popularity. Mm-hmm. And listen, like, I mean, you know, being from the South, I think, Kat, you know this too, but, like, you kind of have those Southern roots, like, in you. Yeah. You like, know? I don't listen to country music, but I... But I we once, still listen to country I music. Say, yeah. <laughs> like, my, the closest I willingly turn on is, like, Mumford & Sons. Which yeah. actually has religious under- overtones. Yeah. But, like, once my friends were like, let's go out to um, Trellis, this this restaurant towards my hometown. And I was like, oh, it's like a cowgirl bar, whatever. <laughs> I had so much fun. The minute oh, I walked yeah. in and heard that music, I was like, hit me with them, like, ribs and oh, barbecue. Oh, yeah, no. It, it's, it it's in out. you. It's in you. Let you me tell you. Even if you don't want it. Yeah. Uh, you, it's you Even if you're like, because, I mean, let's be honest, modern country music, most of it is... Uh, <laughs> it's not my vibe. No, um, definitely not like radio country music. There are a few artists that like my family listens to that mm. I think are really cool, and they have that more deep country, like southern gospel mm-hmm. sound almost. But throw in a little banjo, and I'm just lost, like blue, <laughs> bluegrass a little bit. Like man. man, but yeah, no. So that's why you know I'm. Everyone always says like, oh, I listen to everything but country, and I'm like. Do you, though? Do you, though? If if I put on some of that old bluegrass, you would be shuffling around here, too. If I threw on some Dolly, you would say you would not at least tap your foot. Oh, my God. Dolly's a different story. Dolly is her own genre of music. Oh, Uh, my God. Um, Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about music genres. um, So, she was apparently very successful, which is so funny because, like, I mean, I guess because of the religious music, mm-hmm. uh, gospel music, she wasn't really, like, credited as one of the founders of the rock and roll genre, which, like, I don't even know. She They didn't even have a name for it. Like, she didn't know what she was doing. Mm-hmm. She was having a good time. Music um, history is so interesting. Like, yeah. how, how, like, blues and religious can yeah. turn to foundations of rock and roll is yeah. so fascinating. Um, So she continued kind of, like, appealing to her religious audience, but still kind of experimenting with, like, like you said, like, blues and jazz and, like, different sounds. Um, But her songs were still religious um, in nature. And um, so throughout the 40s, she had great success. She was able to um, record several singles and even go on tour a few times. Mm. Um, And then, um, so into the 1950s, um, she has now... uh, So in 43, she... Uh, divorced her first husband. Then she married um, a promoter <laughs> and I think quickly divorced. His On all the articles I read, they gave like a, not even a sentence to him. So <laughs> apparently <laughs> irrelevant. Um, and then in 1951, she got married to some guy. I forget his name right now. Um, and... This is hilarious. This is the kind of woman this one woman was. She got married in Griffith Griffiths. Wow, that's a list. Griffith Grip Griffiths Griffith Griffith Stadium. I don't know where Griffith. that is. It's in Washington D.C. And uh, people paid money to come see her <laughs> wedding. Heck yeah! Guess how many people? Guess how many people? I I, I couldn't even give. You, I don't even know how big the stadium is. 25,000. What? <laughs> this woman had her wedding in front of 25,000 people. The thought of me who being, paid to get there. <laughs> the thought of me even kissing someone in front of my family and close friends is like <laughs> getting married in front of 25. She was bold, let me tell you. This Apparently girl. she had a firecracker personality. Get it. Um speaking of uh being bold and uh having a very interesting life. She was apparently openly bisexual. <gasps> Hell um, yeah! Yeah, and it was like a well-known fact. Yeah, yeah. and it's so crazy because she's like 
her wait, audience was, was religious people. Wait, wait, wait. wait 1915. She? <laughs> <laughs> and she, so she, um, she, throughout the 40s and 50s, she had a partner in performance. Her name was Mary Knight. And um, she was a singer and piano player. And they had a few songs that they uh, recorded together. And I think they toured together for a while. Um, while she was still married to her husband? Yeah, while she was oh, still wow. married. How yeah, apparently. Um, so according to her biographer, um, it was her relationship with women was an open secret. Her, her, bio- her biographer was historian Gail, Gail Wald. Um, and, uh, the name of the biography is Shout Sister Shout, um, if you're interested, by Gail Wald. And, I'm yeah, so, um, she... When, when was the free love movement? That was, like, 70s. 60s, 60s and 70s. Late 60s, yeah. Um, Girl, so, ahead of her time. Yeah, crazy. This woman was, like, iconic. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so she was married, uh, during this time, and she apparently, um, just was dating this woman on the side that was also her, like, music partner and her, like, wow. actual partner. Um, <laughs> like, I, it's pretty crazy. And it's actually, like, so um, her Rosetta and Marie Knight parted ways, I think, in the early 50s. Um, or sometime in the 50s. But when um, when Rosetta died in 1973, Marie Knight actually is one, was the one that did her makeup for the funeral. Which was, like... Oh. That's really sweet. Um, yeah, Seems so, like, sad. obviously there was, like, a connection there. I mean, obviously she married men because that was the only people that she was, like, allowed to marry, but... When was... Oh, God. I, for, <laughs> um, I just forgot that gay uh, marriage wasn't legal until, until... 2015. I forgot that I lived watching that become legalized. I know. There. Um, okay. Isn't that insane? I, my brain was just like, oh, yes, marry who you want. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, so yeah, so like really cool lady. Um, she's just like pioneering this new genre of music, dating women while she's married, like to men. So yeah, so that's, um, something, a little fun fact about her. She was really popular throughout the forties and fifties, like I said. Um, but unfortunately she, her popularity started to decline because she kind of started experimenting more with blues, um, um, and more pop sounding music. And not so much of the, like, re- religious content. And so she lost kind of her um, base with... And it's sad to say, but I'm sure her age had something to do with it, Yeah. Too. By this point, she was in her 40s, so it was, like, kind of hard. You know, anyone in music doesn't really last that long. Which is sad. Unless you're Dolly Parton. Yeah, unless you're Dolly Parton <laughs> and you stand the test of time. <laughs> um, yeah, so she... Uh, in the 50s, she lost her record deal with Decca. Oh. Um, but it's okay. She signed to another label, um, who I'm forgetting now. I forgot to write that down. I apologize. I think it was something like, something starting with an M. Something starting with an M. And so through them, she still had a career. She still, like, was recording and touring. She went, um, she toured in Europe a few times. Um, so I think she, like, she lost her record deal and then maybe, like, a year or two later signed with this other record. Um, so it wasn't, like, that big of a hit. Um, to her, I just think it wasn't, like, as, her career wasn't as, um, It wasn't, like, thrown off a cliff. Yeah, exactly. Like, she still had a career, it just wasn't as, like, insanely big. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, so that's what she did. This woman did this until she died, literally. She, um, 
toured and recorded songs as much as she could. Um, and in 1970, due to complications of a stroke, she was forced to have one of her legs amputated. Um, wow. But even that didn't really slow her down. She continued to record, um, like, basically up until the day she died in 1973. Do you know so, what, was it complications from the stroke that I, the articles didn't say, I'm not sure, um, maybe it was, like, something to do with her heart, but, yeah. um, she was almost, what was that, 60 years old? So, like, still young, but not super young. You know, um, but yeah, so like, I mean, she lived that full life, yeah, and like, people were like, Oh my god, she was a firecracker, she always had some joke or comment or retort. Okay, honestly, I don't even care how old I am when I die if someone like remembers me as that, right? I know, just like a really fun person to like hang out with, and like, I feel like she was very like unapologetically herself, Mm -hmm. um, and what a time when you were supposed to kind of you were expected to conform. Um, especially as a black woman, which is, I think, like, mm-hmm. such a amazing move on her part is just to live as herself when it, when people of other races were having such a hard time. Do you know if she was, like, an activist for, like, LGBTQ rights and women's rights or stuff? Or I don't like, know if that was really her thing. Okay. I can't imagine she, like... More of, like, a lead-by-example kind of person. Yeah. I... I from the biographies and stuff I read online, I didn't have, obviously, like, I couldn't read a whole book mm-hmm. um, since last week, but maybe her biography talks about that. Um, but I would be surprised if she wasn't at least involved to an extent. Yeah. Um, but from what I'm seeing, I didn't really see, um, like, much about that. But, I mean, she's living in that time, so, like, of course she has to have something to say Even about just it. admitting that you are, like, bisexual or being, yeah. like, out or, in like, the open. Or, like, openly supporting. having a relationship with a woman. Even though you're not saying, like, oh, this is my girlfriend, you're, like... But, like, it, like talking about that yeah. and doing that is, mm-hmm. is a promotion. It's, it's yeah. helping yeah. normalize. Yeah, it, like you said, lead by example. Um, so, yeah, so that was, like, her life. Really cool lady. Um, she was extremely influential to music. Um, like I said, most of her music has religious tones. Um, her breakout single, Rock Me, which is one of the first ones I think she recorded in 1938. Um, I took a listen to it. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to play any of the music because we don't want to get copyrighted. Also don't know how that audio would sound. Uh, yeah, over. it probably sound really bad. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely gonna go listen to it now. Yeah, no, you should. It's actually really good. Um, I really enjoyed it, and it is like it does sound like kind of what you would think of like old school blues, but it's much more twangy, which yeah. is what I think like the rock kind of influence is, mm-hmm. and like that sound, how that sound would warp into rock. Um, actually, when Elvis like talked about how influential she was on his life he talked about how it was the way she picked her guitar so instead of like strumming i think it was more of like a instead of like a i I mean i don't know anything about guitar so that's what i would assume but so yeah i think that's where it's like the much more like kind of sharp twangy sound is um she experimented a lot with like guitar and also her voice is like has a real um kind of roughness to it Mm -hmm. that you kind of associate with rock and roll and not gospel music. Yeah. Because, you know, gospel music is, like, very round tones, like, very sweet and melodic. But, like, hers was, like, she was, like, at times she was, like, her voice was, like, like, she yeah. was singing, like, with that kind of roughness, which I thought was really cool. Um, Yeah, so go listen to her. She's, I mean, just knowing, like, all this information about her backstory, I'm like, this woman is amazing. I'll listen to her music. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like I said, Elvis, like, commented on the way she played her guitar um, 
And that was really what was so influential on him was like, he liked her singing apparently, but the way she plucked her, her picked her guitar, it was just so different from anything else he heard. Um, and speaking of Elvis, he was an unabashed fan from day one, basically. Love that. Um, and was very open about her influence on him in his career. Um, and he would later go on to cover several of her songs, um, which included her song Up Above My Head, Just a Closer Walk With Thee, and Down By the Riverside. Um, she was also influential to Chuck Berry and all of these other people. Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis, which we already mentioned, mentioned Little Richard, Johnny Cash, oh. Isaac Hayes, and Aretha Franklin. <gasps> yes. Oh. <laughs> and they've all, all of those people have like commented like, oh yeah, like she was Iconic. How have I not heard of her? Right? How have we not heard of her? Oh, that, like, isn't that insane? She's so, like... She's so cool. Influential and, like, just haven't heard of her. Um, and actually, Johnny Cash said that he was her favorite, or she was his favorite um, gospel singer. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, if Johnny Cash talked about me at all, I would be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, Bob Dylan had this to say about her. He said, quote... Sister Rosetta Tharp was anything but an ordinary, but ordinary and plain. She was big. She was a big, good-looking woman and divine. Not to mention sublime and splendid. She was a powerful force of nature, a guitar-playing, singing evangelist. So that's from Bob Dylan. So, like again, all these people are like saying all these like, oh my god, she was so amazing, and like I haven't even heard of her. Music history is so interesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um. And, like, it's interesting, too, that Bob Dylan, like, mentions, like, no, she was an evangelist because her music stayed religious, like, to the day she died. Um, And I think, like I said before, so her, just content of her music, even though the sound is there, is why I think that maybe we wouldn't have heard from, heard about her because Mm -hmm. her music is in, technically, it's gospel. Gospel. It's not rock. It's not blues. It's Mm -hmm. classified as gospel. Yeah. Um, She had a really hard time breaking into other genres, like I said. So. I I don't know how accurate that it is to say this, but I wonder how much of it is because of her race. Yeah. So I'm going to mention that too. Okay. So, uh, like I said, like, the genre thing is definitely something. I mean, like, you know, when you Google, like, or when you listen to on Spotify, you have one artist you like. They're going to show you artists that are in the same genre. You know, yeah. like, yeah. they have Spotify in 1940. But you know what I mean. Like, what? people who go to, like, the record store to buy a record, aren't like, a rock and roll record, aren't going to be looking in the gospel section. Right. Like, in the 50s or you 60s. Know you're you know. Um, and um, so that was definitely, I think, you know, part of it. But I think a bigger part is that. Uh, because she was black. I mean, yeah. you know, I, it's not an unknown fact that black people had a hard time, especially in music careers, unless you were able to kind of break through that um, race divide, which I feel mm-hmm. like she was able to, but, and then, and then that's where we get into what she was a black woman. And yeah. I think that especially in music and especially in rock music, even though it wasn't like a thing at this time, mm-hmm. like I mean, it took decades for women to be recognized in rock. Yeah. And even still today, like, I don't really think they're at the same place as men. I mean, like, so, you still can't wear, like, a rock t-shirt without someone being like, name the whole album yeah, from, yeah. Yeah, so I think that her being a black woman is why maybe we haven't kind of, she hasn't gotten the recognition that yeah. she really deserves. Well, it's um, like mainstream country these days is still predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, most country music has origins from yeah like southern mm-hmm. especially like enslaved people enslaved yeah. people especially mm-hmm. like brought 
different types of music here to America when they were forced here, when they were, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and it just molded and meshed into something that evolved to what we know as country now. And it's weird because I think a lot of people don't acknowledge that, like, bluegrass gospel, especially, like, a very specific type of Baptist gospel music that was really prevalent in the Mm -hmm. South for a while. Like, that, like, it is hard to break out of. Every music genre, except, like, classical. (laughs) Yes. has evolved to where it is now because of black people. Right. And I think so many people like either just don't know it or refuse to acknowledge it but mm-hmm. like we would not have we literally would not no. have the music genres we have today mm-hmm. because of black people like it, they're just so there's a cat up there okay my neighbors have like a, I, there's so many feral cats in this oh, okay i was like does no it belong? Does, does, no there's do they belong so many feral cats okay. Ella and i tried to save one or two and Aww. put them in her apartment during the well that guy made it through <laughs> Yeah, well, that's she felt like she put one in her apartment and it almost like attacked her and yeah. ran back out. And we were well, like, you can't okay. do that. Yeah, I know. It's like you want to help them as much as you can. Well, but like, the awful thing is, cats are more likely to survive a freeze like that than dogs. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. cats are resourceful. Yeah, they know how to survive. Yeah. They're scrappy. I think, <laughs> I think they must feed it every once in a while, or maybe they even own it and just let it roam free. But yeah. It goes back there for food quite a bit, so I think they oh, okay. must feed it as long as it belongs somewhere. Yeah. He knows what it's doing. He has a little family somewhere. There's about like eight cats. Between oh wow. This and the other one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, sorry. So, like I said, like, she, there's a lot of barriers for her, like, as far as getting the recognition that she deserves. Um, and so finally, um, I think some awareness is, um, being, like, kind of continued and, like, raised about her today. Um, I had heard about her before, but I never, like, knew anything about her life. I just heard about her in the context of, like, oh, she was one of the, like, influential people to rock music. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but, like, I never did any, like, deep dives on, like, just how influential. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, in, um, speaking of, of shout out to, um, <laughs> museums, like you did in yours, yeah. um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, yes. inducted her in 2018. And if you're a fan of the band Alabama Shakes, um, the lead singer of that band, that's a really cool band. Yeah, I think I've, I've heard yeah. of them, yeah. No, they're so cool. My dad, like, one of his favorite songs is by them. <laughs> I, I don't know them, but I'm sure he played, like, their most famous yeah. song. I'd be like, oh, this band. There was this one song that they did on an Apple commercial, and, like, it was, like, on TV. And my dad was like, oh, that's a cool song. And so now we have to listen to it all the time. <laughs> of course. Um, so... Yeah, so the lead singer of that band was actually the one who kind of led the... I don't know how inducting works in the Rock and Roll Hall uh, Hall of Fame, but it said that she was apparently the one that, like, I guess they needed to have a sponsor like, or, something, or something, like a nominator. Mm-hmm. And so that lady was... Um, I don't know her name, but the lead singer of that band was the oh. one who kind of led that charge. And when they inducted her during the ceremony, the lead singer of Alabama Shakes covered um, one of... Rosetta Tharp's songs. Aww. So you can find that performance on yes. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's website. And um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, actually, speaking of them, they have a really good internship program. That pays pretty well. So Are you thinking about it? I don't know. It's in Memphis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You're a Texas uh, girl. Better Memphis than Nashville or what's the other one? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that the one person we know from Tennessee, I told him once that I was visiting, and he was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, if anyone from Tennessee listens to this, they're going to come after us. Uh, I honestly don't. That's ha- a risk I'm willing to take. I don't have any opinions. I feel like it would be a cool place. I've heard a lot of stuff about it. I feel like, yeah, you know, I feel, it wouldn't be bad. I feel like Memphis would be cool. Remember, we do come from Texas, so I'm sure anyone else listening to this is like, yo, Texas. <laughs> All I know is that, like, wasn't Tennessee, like, the COVID hotspot for, like, the world for a while? Again, we live so in Texas. So is Texas, so we don't have much for him to talk. I mean, listen, listen. <laughs> We're the South. We like to make fun of each other. That's true. Um, Southerners can make fun of Southerners, but I don't... Anyone else is anyone not else allowed. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that was her. Really cool lady. I'm really glad that I got the chance to look at her life because she sounded like a really, really awesome yeah. person. Yeah. What an icon in so I know. Ugh, right? Like, literally, so many ways. And, yeah, I'm sorry that I can't pronounce, pronounce Griffith... There it is. Griffith. Yes. It's a problem because it's, um, like, own ownership, so there's an S on the end. Griffiths. Griffiths. <laughs> That's gotta, good. Yeah. I gotta look up, I gotta work on my enunciation. <laughs> I mean, that one's a tongue twister either way, but, yeah. yeah um, that's a hard word. That's a hard word. Yeah, that's fair. Um, there's a lot of sounds with your tongue. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so, any questions, Cat? Nice. I don't know. Is I think she, she's pretty fine. Is she sister- because is it like just a, a playful honor? So I actually, like she I was, don't know. So I was expecting one of her like bios to bring that up. Um, none of them did, uh, but they all referred to her as Sister Rosetta Tharp. Okay. So maybe that's just. I don't not, know. She's not Catholic. I know. I just think maybe because she was like in religious music. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because you know, like when you go to like a black church, they, they call each yeah. other like brother and sister, and not just necessarily black church, but I feel like I mean the church I went to growing up, especially southern churches. Southern I've heard churches, it. yeah. So it could just be like a thing having to do with that. Interesting. But yeah, that's actually what I was wondering. Because when you first um, said that, I thought I assumed she'd be Catholic. Yeah. No, definitely not Catholic. But I also yeah, so don't that was know the how that I had. Works. <laughs> I just know, like... Well, she wasn't a nun, so I feel like that's that, how you yeah. get uh, Kath or sister in... That's what I thought, too, so I was like, maybe I'm totally <laughs> she wrong. Def- she definitely wasn't a nun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, so... She's so interesting. Okay, I'm definitely yeah. going to have to go, like, listen to music now. Yeah, you all should. She's... I really enjoyed it. Um, she has, like, a lot of songs you can look up, and she literally, like, is in these videos, like, playing her electric guitar, Ooh. like, such a boss bitch. Mean. <laughs> oh, my God. She's really cool, but, um, yeah, so those were our stories for today. I feel like ending these things is always kind of awkward. Do another fun fact. What, what fun fact should we do? Um, I don't know any fun facts. Ooh, let's warp some time here. Um... Cat this knows more pretty... fun. Cat knows so many fun facts. Yeah, I, I do know a lot of weird fun facts. Um, <laughs> MLK and Anne Frank were born in the same year. That's insane to me. That I've heard that one a few places, and I yeah. every time someone says it, I check it because I'm like, I know. I, it's I like hard to believe them yeah. with such different times of history. Yeah. But like she died, she died so young. And yeah. He, I mean, he did not live his full life because yeah. of. And uh, again, it's imagine being born. Anytime between 1816 and 1960. You literally see everything. Like you, and so many things happening in the world and technology. It's just insane. It just goes to show just what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. That is a fun fact. Well. Yeah. So that, we yeah. end on that. But thank you for joining us this thank week. Thank you for joining us. We hope you had a fun time definitely not listening to us lecture about history. Yes. Because um, this is not a history lecture. This is definitely not a history lecture. Yeah. Feel free to follow us on Twitter. I need to remember that hashtags are not just for TikTok. They are for Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, We're trying to, you know, 
have our brand exposed here. Yeah. We gotta use hashtags. T I N A H L podcast. Yeah, that's our at. That's our. Our Twitter is at T I N A H A H L podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, our email, if you would like to have more than two hundred and forty characters to contact mm-hmm. us, um, is this is not a history lecture at gmail.com. Um, yeah, like we said before, we're available on all podcast platforms, or at least mm-hmm. um, uh, most of them, a good amount of them. And uh, if you really like what we're doing here, we would really appreciate if you left us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Yeah. I think you can leave reviews on Google, too. But definitely you can on Apple. Yeah. Um, and that would really mean a lot to us. Yeah. But And I'm trying to do something fun on Twitter where I, like, give yeah. a emoji summary. Like, Wednesday. We yeah. say it's Wednesday. But, like, this week it was Thursday because Snowmageddon yeah. almost uh, destroyed we'll us. We'll try to post it on mid midweek. We'll yeah. say that. It's like a little guessing uh, game. Also, yeah. emojis are harder to communicate than I thought. So I'm gonna keep doing it for a while, but if I just randomly stop someday, just assume it got too Listen, difficult. It's an it's an evolution. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. Join so. us, engage with us, follow us. We would love to hear from y'all. Yeah, if you have like suggestions or something you don't or, know about but, mm-hmm. or think that doesn't get taught well in the classroom, or you're confused about. Yeah. yeah, and no shame. I didn't understand Roman numerals until my senior <laughs> too old. my senior year of under of undergrad. Me too. My Me professor too. was like, it, it was it was. That professor, the the cool one. I don't want to say his name oh. about him. It was him. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and he was like, <laughs> I know that Bunchy all be lying and never got taught uh, this. So I, I never sit got down it. and explained the Roman numerals, and I was like, God bless you. I oh am twenty two years that old. That man and I was a king. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh so. my gosh. Like, there's no shame. Simple stories, good stories, stories that you think should be explained better or just want a summary of. Like, let us yeah. know what you're interested in. Something that you're passionate about. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. And we all hope we'll do it justice. Yeah. But, right. Well, well, have a good one, guys. Y'all have a great one. Thank you so much for listening. Stay warm if you're still stuck in the ice. Yeah, stay warm. Stay COVID-free. Bathe the <laughs> Stay COVID-free. All of those things. <laughs> have right. a bye. Bye. bye.